Welcome to the Peterson's Bow Hunting Podcast. All bow hunting, all the time. Now, here's your host, editor Christian Berg. All right, welcome to the Bow Hunting Podcast. We are all bow hunting, all the time. And today we are coming into the magical, the most wonderful time of the year. It's not Christmas. It's the white tail rut. And if you don't think that's the most wonderful time of the year, you ain't no deer hunter. And I've got guests today that are going to be bringing us exactly what we need right now as we head toward Halloween. Tactics you can use today to get those bucks on the ground. It's Mr. Layden Force and Mr. Haynes Shelton, my colleagues, my compadres, co-hosts, and editor and publisher of North American Whitetail Magazine, North American Whitetail Television. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us, Christian. We appreciate it, man. We're excited to be here. We get to uh, get to hear the podcast all the time and hear you talk to everybody else. And so when you called and, and said, hey, would you guys be interested? I know Haynes and I are both, we hopped on the opportunity. It's a real privilege to be here with you. You Christian, I'm so excited to be here, man, that I climbed out of my tree stand in Adams County, Ohio, <laughs> right in the middle of this cold front. And I'm sitting on top of my pickup truck with a little bit of cell service just to talk to you, buddy. I knew you guys would drop everything uh, as soon as I called. And, uh, you know, I'm glad that somebody's out in the field because here I'm sitting in my basement. Layden's obviously at home. You know, somebody's got to get out there and tell us what's actually happening. <laughs> so, so Haynes, I mean, this is this is the point, right? I mean, we're literally heading into Halloween week. It, I was just telling you before we started recall, recording you know, it's really not happening yet for me here in Pennsylvania. And I don't think it's really happening for you in Ohio based on what you've been seeing. But this is the time when day by day, literally day by day, I think we're all kind of scooting a little closer to the edge of our seats, right? Because we're like, it's going to happen. It's going to start to happen. And we're going to start to see those bucks cruising. And we're going to start to see those deer maybe visiting those scrape lines in the daylight versus, you know, two in the morning. And, and you know, that those first does are going to come into estrus here probably, you know, within the next four to six days, you know, in, in your area, a doe or two is going to come in. And man, if you're in the right place at the right time, it's going to be crazy. So uh, what do you think, Haynes? What what are is your mindset as, as you finish this hunt in Ohio and look ahead here to the next week or two? Well, it's been great to get in the woods here in Ohio the last three days we've hunted. And, you know, it's definitely pre-rut right now and pre-rut activity, which is, you know, kind of the initial phase of the rut that we all wait for. And it's a good time of year because you start to see a lot of sign, a lot of visible deer sign. And that's definitely been the case for us here in Ohio. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, nighttime scrape activity that we're picking up on trail cameras. And then, you know, going in and out of our sets in the evenings and mornings, you can see fresh scrapes and fresh rubs every time. And in addition to that, you know, we also are starting to, starting to pick up some bucks 
in daylight on trail cameras, which is, that's the magic that you wait for, you know, and, and this cold front really was the impetus for a lot of that daylight movement. You know, everybody talks about cold fronts in October and how magical they can be when they arrive. And it's kind of been that way here because prior to, you know, the weather needs, which is not that unusual for, you know, a second week of October, third week of October. And when I got here three days ago, um, it had dropped into daily highs in the 40s and then lows at night in the 20s. And we've had three mornings of uh, frost on the ground. So definitely getting that good cold snap. And we're starting to, to see it working to you know get bucks up on their feet, lay down sign, and not necessarily chasing does or dogging does or anything like that, but they're starting just to move around. And uh, some of the guys that I've been in camp with this week um there's a father and son from west virginia i've gotten to know them pretty well and uh the father he he tagged a, an awesome buck two mornings ago it's a 160 inch deer that he killed at 9 30 in the morning uh walking a scrape line in broad daylight so when stuff like that starts happening you know you need to be in the woods as much as you can I laid it. I don't know about you, but the hair on the back of my neck just stood up when, <laughs> when, when he told me that there was a mature buck hitting scrapes at 930 a.m. Yeah, man, I, got, I get pumped about it. Um, I got to sneak out a couple mornings here this week and, and a couple nights this week. We uh, had one of our videographers from Wintercom in, the guy that I work with mostly for the TV show, and we were shooting some digital pieces for uh, the website. <clears throat> and we we snuck out to try to support some of that digital uh, footage uh, or stand-ups with uh, field footage. And so, you know, I would mirror what Haynes is saying in regards to what we're seeing here in Northeast Missouri. You know, you're seeing more daylight deer activity. I've not seen as much uh, mature buck daylight activity, but I'm seeing those mature bucks at night. And, um, you know, it, it's that time of year, uh, and we're all waiting for those cold fronts. And, you know, we've, we've had some great articles. We just had an article that went live on NAW's website. Um, that I think it's titled is October, the new November. And, um, it actually addresses a lot of what Haynes kind of talking about in regards to, Hey, the timing's right. Now we're waiting for, uh, that cold weather to kick in and really get those mature deer on their feet during daylight hours. And this is a great time period for that to happen. And so to hear, to hear a guy uh, or about a guy, uh, arrowing a 160 plus inch big old Ohio bruiser, uh, at nine 30 in the morning, you know, it just kind of confirms some of what we like to hear, what we've read, what we talk about as a team. And, uh, man, I'm excited. I'm going to turn loose here, um, next weekend. I'm, I'm, going to try to do a little hunting at home uh over the weekend with my boys i got two young boys that we're trying to get uh bucks on the ground for uh with a crossbow this week and so it's it's just a, it's a good time like I, you can you can hear i can't even keep a concentrated thought as i'm trying to to talk to you about it right now i'm, I'm just all giddy and and confused kind of like a, a three-year-old out running around for the first time with a bigger set of antlers on my head at the end of october so it's uh it's that time of year yeah, people say that I'm high energy, but I think Layden's giving me a run for my money today. I mean, look at that. It's, he's got a grin from ear to ear. You can just tell, actually, as you were talking, like, 
I think you might actually just throw that headset on the desk and literally <laughs> just turn around and go get your stuff and head straight to the tree right now. Man, if I didn't have uh, two media kits and um, some reader survey questions to finish uh, and, and a few ad sales projects, including one for Peterson's bow hunting new gear guide, which we're looking forward to seeing here in a oh, couple sell, months from, from sell, your team. Baby, sell, sell, baby, <laughs> sell that space. Uh, uh, well, well, listen, I mean, you know, here's the thing, you know, you mentioned it. Okay, you guys have that article is October, the new November. Mm -hmm. I don't know who put that together for you guys. Bill Winky had recently done a very similar piece for us. And so here's the thing, right? Because as we get uh, through this next week here, heading in towards Halloween, because uh, so this show will drop on Tuesday. Halloween will be uh, Sunday. A Monday, yep. rather. Monday, Sunday, yep. will be, su Sunday will be the 30th. Monday's Halloween. And as we get uh, then into early November, that's where we're going to start to transition into, mm -hmm. you know, really that time of the rut where things become exciting, but also chaotic and unpredictable. And right. so I, th I think when we talk about this is October, the new November, what we're really talking about. And again, this is what people should be keying on this week as they listen to this show and plan their hunts and where they're going to go and what they're going to do. This is the time it's, it's not the calm before the storm, but it's maybe the little squall before the storm. And once the storm hits, all bets are off because, you know, that buck that you've been watching all year might be where you think he's going to be, but he might be five miles away because a doe decided to run from him and they chased clear across, you know, three farms last night and, and yep. he's not going to be back for a while. So October, late October is great because it's starting to get a little taste of that chaos that's coming, but there's still an element of predictability. So those bucks that live in your area, they're working those scrape lines and they're visiting them at night for the most part, mm -hmm. but that's going to change. There's going to be a couple daylight appearances. And if you can be there in the right place, right time, that's where you can tag that buck like Haynes talked about. Um those doe concentration areas, okay? This is a big one for me. I'll throw this one out. You know, and this is the thing for me, especially in Pennsylvania, because we don't have a ton of big bucks. The best I can do for the most part is know like, okay, I know there's 10 or 12 doe that are coming out in the field here every night. I know there's a group of doe over here. I know there's some doe that always bed over there. And I'm not going to bother with them too much maybe up until this week, because now it's like, you know what, if I get the wind right and I can tuck myself in there and be where I know those does are going to be, this is going to be the week where maybe just maybe one of those decent bucks is actually going to come and he's going to start checking on those doe because right. it's like they're getting antsy. You know what I mean? That Just like oh, yeah. we're getting we're getting antsy as bow hunters. Those bucks are getting antsy because they're they're ready to rock. But it's like it's like when you go to the club and you like get out on the dance floor and you see that cute girl and you're you're dancing with her a little bit, but you're still not really sure is like this girl going to give me her number or is she going to like really want to <laughs> hang out with me later on? You know what I mean? But you're but you're wanting to stay close. You're wanting to keep her in eyesight to see if she's talking to maybe anybody else or what her body language is telling you right and that's what these bucks are doing i mean am i yeah. am i crazy haynes or what no I, I think you're you're right and for me this time of year 
in the pre-rut phase before things do just bust wide open and really get crazy. It's more of a, it's more of a, a still tactical game that I'm trying to mm-hmm. figure out my mornings and my evenings individually because, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm really not much of a morning hunter any part of the year outside of November, just because I think you can do much more harm than good in most places, unless you just have the perfect set for a morning entry route, you know, without spooking deer. If you have some kind of transition area or, you know, backdoor to bedding while deer are coming off of agriculture or something like that. But I do think that this is the time of year where you can really make hay in transition areas in morning spots and evening spots based on what deer are doing and where you think you can safely go. Like I'm not, I'm not hunting all day right now, you know, November when things get completely crazy and, and bucks are actively chasing and you have probably as good a chance to shoot one at 10 30 AM or 1 PM or, you know, mid afternoon, whenever, as you do early morning and evening, that's when you need to be in the tree stand all day long and really sitting on go. But right now, you know, in, in reference to, you know, doe bedding or doe groups, you do have to kind of understand those areas and understand, you know, in contrast where you where you think your buck is living. Like if you're hunting a target buck, you have to kind of have an understanding of where you think he is. And then you do a little bit of math, you know, you consider where he mm-hmm. is and you consider probably where your doe groups are. Well, somewhere in the middle is going to be a transition zone and that's going to be probably an area where does and bucks are going to intermingle with each other. That's the dance floor, like you're talking about. And so if you can position yourself in a location like that, you're probably going to find sign there, you know, whether you're looking at new scrapes or, you know, signpost rubs that have been there for years. Um, if you can get a good route into a place like that, and hunt it based on whether it either needs to be hunted in the morning or the evening, every spot's different. But if you can get in those locations, you know, if you can get that in combination with a good weather and the wind's working for you, then there's a good chance that you're probably going to see a buck on his feet starting to work the outside perimeter of those doe areas. And for me, you know, it seems like, especially a mature buck, they're always going to work downwind of those doe mm-hmm. bedding areas because they're going to circle back behind there. They're not necessarily going to bust right into in there into a full chase right now because it's not the rut, but they will begin to sort of actively search for that first doe. And usually that's going to be your hyper mature, you know, your oldest, most mature doe is probably going to cycle into estrus first. And so, you know, you can imagine your most dominant buck is going to be waiting for that to happen. And I think a lot of times they do that relatively casually by sort of going downwind of these doe bedding areas and checking it. You know, they might check it every day or every couple of days, but whatever route they're running, that's where you need to be for when it happens and hope mm-hmm. that you're there when it does happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one thing I noticed. Um... It was really interesting this year. I don't know what you guys saw. We had, um, well, it's been a little colder than normal overall this October, but early in October, we had a good snap of really unseasonably cool weather here in Pennsylvania. And I was very surprised for about three or four days in like the first week of October, 
I actually had a handful of mature buck photos in daylight as the scrapes were just opening up for the season. Like some of the first scrapes that popped like in October. And then all of a sudden it was like, it was done. Like those mm-hmm. bucks, they came up like out of their holes. They made a couple appearances. They opened up some scrapes and then there was no more daylight activity. And ever since it's kind of just been back to that nighttime stuff. But to Haynes's point, you know, they're, and what I am seeing to kind of corroborate what he said is you don't see them every day, but it might be every three to four days. It's like they're running their circuit and they're coming back around mm-hmm. and checking these scrapes. And, you know, this is another thing not to overlook because people think, you know, scrapes are only for bucks. If you look at your trail cam photos, man, I see a lot of does oh. visit these scrapes, too. So it's a social you know, signpost communication area. Yeah. I mean, the bucks may be, you know, starting a lot of these scrapes or refreshing them, but the does are checking in there too. And I'm sure they're leaving some inner digital scent and, and rubbing their heads on some of these licking branches and things too. So those bucks are making their rounds and kind of keeping tabs on what's going on late. Kind of wondering, Layden, what is your strategy for, for this week here, the week sort of leading up Mm -hmm. to Halloween? Yeah, I, well, I, I would say like talking on the heels of what Haynes is talking about, because as far as uh, strategy and, and where from a placement aspect, those transition areas that you're going to hunt, you know, that's a I think it's a hard lesson as whitetail hunters. We all have to learn. I can think back to some of my early bow hunting days from, you know, 15 to the age of 25 and always wanting to hunt the field edge because that's what I always saw on outdoor television. Right. Everybody hunts a scrape line on the edge of the cut bean field in late October, early November. And that's where all the bucks are. Um, and, and I've learned as I got a little bit older, if you want to increase the the level of time at which you get the opportunity to interact with a mature buck, you're going to have to get back on that path and really understand the science behind what, why they're doing what they're doing. Um, talking, you know, directly towards that being downwind of a, a doe bedding area or, or a place where that doe social group likes to hang out um, from a staging aspect and learning to, to kind of read the body language of some of those younger bucks, you know, those younger bucks are going to start getting a little, uh, they're going to get up on their feet a little earlier than those mature bucks are in, in reference to the calendar, but they can kind of give those visual cues of, Hey, it's getting ready to happen too. And so, um, for me personally, I know I just was looking again this morning, uh, as I was drinking my coffee, the 25th, we've got a cold weather front coming back into the Midwest. I'm going to be here at home. Um, I'm really watching those trail cameras uh, at this point in time. And that's another thing that I've I've learned to use to my advantage. Uh, I've got pretty limited time usually in the month of October, just because it's, it's busy season for us in regards to uh, business planning and looking forward into the next year. So I really don't get as much time to hit the woods until the last week, October and early November. So I've got to make my time in October count um, even that last week. And uh, with that cold front coming in, man, I'm watching my cameras. Uh, they've all been replaced or or placed on scrapes now, uh, repositioned to watch scrapes to to try and track that mature uh, buck movement. And I'm watching two or three bucks here at home that in particular I want to get after uh, when they start to pop in daylight hours. And as far as next week goes, I, I'm really planning on spending some time in the woods when when that cold weather hits and, and put myself in those transition areas where those bucks are going to be um, specifically there in on those farms that, 
that I'll be hunting. Um, so, you know, a lot of it mirrors what Haynes says, but that would probably make sense because the two of us spend a lot of time together <laughs> studying from, you know, the same doctrine of Dr. Deer and, Dr. and uh, Mr. Whittington and, and guys like Greg Miller and Stan Potts. So we spend a lot of time, we talk uh, back and forth between each other, but it's going to mirror exactly what, what he is talking about. Um, just making sure that when that cold weather hits, I'm in the right place. And, uh, really making sure that I'm using the visual cues of the deer if I'm getting out before then to try and understand what that that independent social group's doing there on some of those farms and then also using that trail camera inventory and and I will tell you man we got a couple warm days coming today and tomorrow um, use that warmth to your advantage as a whitetail hunter right now if you've got trail cameras that aren't, that aren't um, communicating if you're using wireless trail cameras uh, back to uh, your app or you know your service go out and check those trail cameras out in the middle of the day when you can use the heat to your advantage you know those big bucks aren't going to be on their on their feet do it now before uh, that cold weather hits next week and we get into the first week of November and you don't want to be getting into those areas um, and potentially place an influence or human influence on on that hunting area so this is a great time these next couple of days to make sure that hey new sets um new cameras anything that you want to try to sneak into your place and try to be as as uninvasive as possible um and get done get them get it done now before they get back up on their feet and and they're moving around a little bit more use that heat to your advantage I'm great kinda, tip there i'm kind of wondering guys obviously we're talking about where to be uh areas to focus on uh you know, hunting maybe more evenings than mornings at this point. Kind of wondering, is there anything, and obviously trail cameras too, Layden, which right. is absolutely critical, you know, and certainly the cellular cameras have changed the game. But what about when you're actually out there hunting? You know, I mean, I think about peak rut and you're thinking, you know, maybe doing a bunch of like uh, fight sequences with your rattling antlers or maybe putting, uh, you know, some estrus dough urine out, that sort of thing. What about during this pre-rut period? What is your sort of philosophy on calling, uh, scents, any kind of, you know, active things that you can do to try and mm -hmm. tip the odds in your favor during this time where, you know, it's not really full on yet. Haynes, you want me to cover that first? Uh, you know, it, either way, man, I would just say, uh, you know, I, I immediately think of calling just because of what happened to me this morning. You know, I just got out of the tree stand about an hour ago. Um, but at first light this morning, um, I did a uh, just a little calling sequence with my uh, grunt call. We've got a good friend of ours, Chris Riggs at Duck Creek Custom Calls mm -hmm. that, that uh, works with us at North American Whitetail. And he sent us some awesome uh, custom-made grunt calls this year. And so I, like, I'm just eager to use it. It's, uh, it's such a great call. Like, I just want to play with it, you know. So this morning, you know, I felt good. It's like 28 degrees. And right at daylight, you know, as soon as uh, my cameraman, Brad Biddle, said he had camera light, I said, I think I'm going to call a little bit, you know, just mm -hmm. to see what happens. It was a transition area. I had CRP behind me, which, you know, was uh, – that was a bedding area and, you know, ag fields are below me and then I'm kind of halfway up this big hillside. And I knew that, you know, deer were going to be filtering through this little white oak lot where I was going back to that CRP. And um, so I did uh, two estrus bleats and then waited about 30 seconds and I grunted three times and I did two longer grunts and then sort of a little cadence of almost like a chase grunt, like a bat, bat, bat. And, uh, 
about one minute later, um, a two-year-old buck, a nice, nice young eight-pointer uh, basket rack buck, uh, he came out immediately and head on a swivel. Like you could tell the deer was not, the deer was not walking through my area. He came as a direct result of the calling and he, you know, tilted his head left and right, clearly looking for what he had heard. Mm-hmm. And he ended up walking about eight yards uh, from the base of our tree stand. And then he just filtered on through. And so, you know, if that had been a five or six year old buck, like we're trying to kill, boom, I could have put an arrow right through his lungs and the, the hunt was over. So, you know, it would have been great, but even seeing that young buck do that, you know, it's just, that's what you want to see, especially mm-hmm. right now, you know, mm-hmm. you think there we go, there we go. It's, it's working. It worked on that buck. There's no reason why it wouldn't work on a big deer, you know? And I would say right now, you know, depending on, what deer you're hunting, you know, and you need to kind of understand the buck that you're trying to kill and his mentality, you know, in that spot. Yep. Very you know, important. I felt like it felt like it was the right place to try that, you know, because I wasn't, I wasn't like in a spot where a buck was going to come right there. I just thought, well, I need to do something. I need to do something to make a deer filter through here if he's close enough to hear me. So I tried that. Um, but and I want to mention too, so I'm here with my friends at Real McCoy Outdoors in Adams County. Uh, Chad and Lear McCoy are hosting me, and and these guys deserve some credit because they just they understand their whitetails uh, yeah. so well. And and every deer we go after here, you know, I get sort of a briefing on what we think this deer is like, and uh, you know, kind of what his personality is, and what we think he, you know, what we think he's going to respond to or not, and. In the evenings, you know, we've been hunting a, a really old, probably a seven or eight year old deer. He's a, he's a giant and we're, we've been trying to kill him this week. And, you know, it's really kind of a different scenario. This buck is daylighted on trail cameras and he's living in the mountains and he's coming down into this little valley and he's been there in daylight. Um, and he is very much a dominant buck, but he's almost so casual in that area that with him we all agreed that we don't want to do any calling and we don't want to use any scent we don't want to do anything you know so we've just been washing our clothing we've been using our ozonics we've been walking in really really quietly so with a deer like that we've adopted a zero human presence zero sound zero scent policy and like we think in order to kill this deer like he's already doing what we want him to do so we're just going to sit there and be quiet and hope that he does it again Mm -hmm. but but with other deer you know you might need to do something to make those deer come to you so you know i I would say people listening to this probably somebody's going to have a similar scenario and you know there's some deer that you that you want to put a little bit of pressure on and you want to do something to influence how that deer is going to react but there's other deer that you might not want to do anything. Just let Mother Nature handle it, and he might come right in. Right. I think that you just touched on one of the things that I talk quite often, Haynes, with people about when when they start asking questions about what are your thoughts on this, what are your thoughts on that, and regardless of the the point in the season, you said, "Hey, know your know your deer," right? And um, that's something that it took me a while as a hunter to get used to uh, was not getting caught up in the moment to the point of Christian's comment earlier. I I get pretty excited and I love the moment. I am in the moment, man. I I love it, but slow it down a little bit. When that buck walks out, let's say you're hunting 
that October cold front and he comes out across uh, that transition zone, you don't get an opportunity on him, but slow down and take some notes on, on how he acts. Um, watch how he reacts to maybe a doe bleat, uh, from a, a doe that's in the same area at the same time, or the way that he might react to a two-year-old coming up and trying to put a little pressure on him and, and tinkle antlers with him. Does he completely shut the situation yeah. down or does he walk around it? Uh, because that will tell you a lot about how you need to hunt that animal over the next two, three weeks as you pursue him into, you know, the heat of the rut. And if you slow the situation down, even if you're self-filming, I think that's one of the the big advantages that I took away from self-filming before I ever got into this occupation was um, later on in life, I went back and I went, oh, wow, I have a, a video document of how these deer react in, in, in their home surroundings. And you can go back and it's kind of like, you know, going through your your scouting report for your your football game on Friday night or Saturday afternoon. You know, you go back and you watch film on your opponent. Well, you know, in this case, that buck is your opponent and um, you can kind of break down what they're doing. Take notes on it. Um, if you had an encounter on him, you know, take a note as to what the wind was, where he came from, what he did when he got to the edge of the field. Did he scent check or did he look around the field and try to get a, a visual um, documentation of what's going on in that field? Because a lot of that can help you prepare for that next encounter that you're going to have with that white-tailed deer. So it's really easy to get caught up in the moment. But if you can take the time, slow the situation down and, and document it in some way, shape or form, uh, it's going to put you in a much better situation as you move forward and have the opportunity to hunt that deer or or potentially other deer in that area. Just watching how they they react and come out of a you know a pinch point or into a pinch point or um, with different winds. There's a lot of different things that if you slow the situation down, you're gonna you can learn a lot from that situation about that specific animal or or the community of deer. Well, another thing that you you guys touched on that came to my mind as you were talking is, you know, the Hippocratic. <laughs> Hippocratic Oath, right? When you're a doctor, you take the Hippocratic Oath when you become a doctor. And what's the first rule of that is to do no harm, right? right. And and I, and I think that's kind of the approach we need to take with our deer hunting, especially right now. You know, Haynes talked about how sometimes there's a, a deer that you need to do something to try to get them to come to you. But other times, you know, and this is where I jump over to what you were saying, Layton. We can get caught up in the moment. We get so excited, especially maybe an inexperienced deer hunter where mm -hmm. you're out on your stand and that buck that you've been seeing on your camera, but you've never seen him in real life, you know, and all of a sudden, mm -hmm. boom, there he pops out 40 yards away. And man, you're going to you know, quick uh, grab my grunt tube and I'm going to grunt at him or I'm going to doubly. And it's like, dude, he might be coming right to you. Do nothing. Do right. nothing. Read the situation and see what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, if if he's going to start to go the other way and it's pretty obvious that he's not going to come into bow range, yeah, maybe throw a bleat or, or a little grunt out there and start a little soft and, you know, you'll know when he hears it. If mm -hmm. you're paying attention, start soft, increase your volume, you know, a little bit each time until you get a reaction I can almost always get a reaction out of a deer. It doesn't mean that he's going to come. He yeah. might just he might just stop and look. As a matter of fact, a lot of times a buck is just going to stop and look. Think about it for a little bit and mm -hmm. then he may end up going on its way. Let him go. You know, don't necessarily think again. 
we're not peak rut here. You know, don't think, oh, if he doesn't come to my grunt, now I'm going to hit him with the snort weeds or whatever. It's right, like right. there's there's a time and a place. And right now, you know, if you have a deer on a pattern like that old buck that Haynes is talking about, exactly. The deer's already doing everything it needs to do to die. Haynes just has to be there on the right day. Mm -hmm. You know right. what I mean? So he's not going to go in there and throw out a bunch of scent. He's not going to go in there and make three new mock scrapes. He, he's not going to go in there and start crashing antlers together. He's just going to let the deer do what he do. And, and Haynes already has the information that he needs to be successful. Sometimes less is more um, in that situation, more, more times than not. Uh, when it comes to calling tactics specifically, uh, Christian, uh, less is more. So to your point of crashing horns or hammering the snort wheeze, like, hey, starting out with a nice subtle bleat just to see how he reacts, it can go a long way. So well, one you know, of keep the, that in mind. Yeah, and, and don't remember or don't, 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 <laughs> don't remember. No, I mean, don't forget. Don't forget the deer can hear a lot better than you can. Mm -hmm. You know, I can remember a big uh, Alberta 10 pointer and I was hunting in the woods, uh, not too far off of the edge of a, a cut grain field up there. And I had seen a bunch of deer earlier in the morning and it got real quiet uh, for a couple hours. And it was like, I don't know, 1030 in the morning or something like that. And this big buck comes across the open corn or open uh, grain field, rather, a um, couple hundred yards out. And I can see he's going to hit the wood line, you know, about 200 yards away from my stand. And he hit that wood line and I took my old can call out of my pocket. And I'm telling you, I hit that can call two times and he hit the wood, took a 90 degree and came right to me i mean it didn't take much mm -hmm. and it was a real cold morning you know one of you can see all this the breath coming out of his nostrils and i can remember his tongue he was licking all the little the little brush you know along the mm -hmm. ground and i mean it doesn't take a lot sometimes and if they want to come they'll come and conversely um you know, I'm sure Haynes can because he's better than I am. But if they don't want to come, it can be awfully tough to get them to come. Once in a while, you can piss off a, 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 an aggressive buck enough to get him to change his mind and completely change course. But I'll tell you what I see a lot more often, and you guys can weigh in on this. What I see a lot more often is if if you call to a buck and you get a reaction out of that buck and he doesn't come, um. Don't be surprised if that buck isn't back in 30 minutes, 45 minutes or an hour, mm -hmm. because I think bucks yeah. are usually on a mission and he doesn't come. He wants to go somewhere because he's on his he's got on his mind. You know, I'm going to check this doe bedding area or I'm going to hit this scrape over here or I'm going to check this food plot over there. But then he gets over there and there's nothing going on. And now he still knows like, man, I heard I heard Layden grunt over here mm -hmm. i'm gonna i'm gonna swing back around and i have killed deer that did that you know like they come back and so it rather than get too crazy just let let that be let him think about it for a while it's like play hard to get let him think about that a mm -hmm. while and decide if he doesn't want to swing back through and investigate i'll let i'll let haynes touch on that yep. oh there he goes i say i'll let him touch on that one because i know he has some experience in that category as well 
anyway so yes it's like a it's like a rebound effect or a boomerang and i i've seen that happen too and you know mature buck is he's out there doing mature buck stuff but you know you gave him you gave him something he's processing in his mind and there's always that chance that he is going to come just gone forever and you know and one of my biggest pet peeves too and and i know it happens to everybody but Okay, when he leaves, don't don't go, you know, telling everybody, oh man, I just saw this giant buck and he's gone. You know, I think that's one of the that's one of the biggest things that I try not to do, especially this time of year. You know, you really need to to try and be as present as you can in the deer woods, and you know, all the all your buddies that you're texting about, and all the deer pages that you're looking at on Instagram or Facebook, you know, or when you're checking out North American whitetail or Peterson's bow hunting, you know, websites when you're sitting in the stand. Well, you know, you can do all that stuff at home and you're doing it because you love deer hunting and you're doing it because you want to see pictures of big deer and read about it. But, you know, you love it because you want to be successful. And so when you're in the stand, you know, just, just try and be patient this time of year and be present and just enjoy being in the woods and be cognizant and try and sit there and don't move. You know, that's the main thing is, you know, don't move, don't fidget, do whatever you can to just stay there in your stand and, uh, and always be ready. Keep your head on a swivel and try not to get distracted and just really, really focus in and try and get it done. Cause that's what you're out there to do. You're there because you love it. So just enjoy being out there. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a hard one with everybody that's uh, 35 and under, uh, at this point in time. Cause like you said, everybody's surfing the gram, looking at everybody's big deer that have been, uh, harvested, but it can be more true, man. Uh, you, you have to pay attention to what's going on around you. And, and I'm like, Hey, I'm guilty of that have been guilty of it. But I will tell you that this year, um, at the age of 37, I, I did finally limit my social screen time on my phone. <laughs> uh, in the last in the last three weeks but a lot of it was because hey i i knew i was spending too much time there um and i probably still wasn't spending near as much time as a lot of folks but um i limited it down it's amazing how quickly it goes but you got to think you only get so much time out there to haynes's point um you you're trying to to take everything in and process it and build that story and build that strategy and you know just with everything else that's going on out there in the world outside of what you're trying to accomplish as a bow hunter or as a deer hunter right now at this point in time like slow down for a second let your brain process nature and I'm telling you man like that is such a great place to be uh, mentally uh, it is such a good a good place to be for your soul um, it, you know, just really take in everything that's going in. It doesn't matter if it's 85 degrees or if it's 32 degrees, there's great things happening out there in nature that we tend to forget about when we look at our screen all the time. So, um, really enjoy that moment. Take a deep breath while you're out there. Let, uh, let nature he heal all woes and, um, just pay attention to what's going on, man. I'm telling you, there's so much going on out there. Even when a deer is not in front of you, there's other things that are going on that you can learn, learn about that will tell you, uh, tell you so much about the woods and your environment and what you're sitting in, what you're taking in. Uh, there's a lot that you can learn if you're not looking at that screen. Well, I tell you what, that's great advice. I think that's a great place to wrap up our conversation, gentlemen, because, you know, it's an excellent week to punch your tag. Um, but even if you don't, enjoy the moment and stay optimistic because as good as this week is, the next couple weeks mm. that are coming after it are going to be even better. So 
take heart, deer hunters of the world. You know, our time has finally arrived and we will close out maybe the way that I began. It is the most wonderful time of the year and it's only just beginning. And, uh, you know, let everybody else who's into, you know, football or uh, <laughs> Christmas shopping or ballroom dancing or whatever they're in, they can have their time, but this is our time. And <laughs> as Layden said, let's relish it because, you know, it isn't going to be very long. We're going to be thinking back on this season and wishing we could get back in that tree again. So put that old smartphone back in your pocket and watch that squirrel, you know, listen to those turkeys scratching just over the ridge, um, you know, Listen, you know, watch those birds flying around in the treetop. And before you know it, Haynes will be telling us about the big old buck that walked <laughs> right under his tree <laughs> like he drew it up. Haynes, thank uh, you, buddy. Uh, I hope I hope you get it done there in Ohio. Christian, you bet, man. Thank you so much for having me on. It's great talking to you, man. I hope to be back soon. And uh, I hope you're my good luck charm, man. I'm going to go out in there and try and shoot him this afternoon. <laughs> I hope well, so, too. <laughs> I'll tell you what, if you kill that buck, then you may have to write that feature for Peterson's bow hunting, not, not North American <laughs> whitetail. Ah, uh, you'll have to talk to my publisher about that. <laughs> we can negotiate. We can negotiate that afterwards. Yeah, we'll there. negotiate. <laughs> well, listen, guys. I tell you what, it was a good conversation. It's the first time I had the NAW boys uh, on the show, but like Haynes said, let's make sure it's not the last. That's exactly right. Hey, hey, Christian, I'll leave you with one thing. I stepped outside yesterday and. um thought you know hey i haven't shot my bow for like four days been on the go we we're we we're filming and going to the stand and everything was going on and i i typically every day shooting that bow and i stepped out just wanted to get a few rounds in before uh, i took my son to football practice last night and and man i let that first arrow go and it was seven inches left at 30 yards and i thought oh my goodness i must have really torqued my bow and uh drew back and let another one go and it hit bullet point right right next to the other one and i let third one go same thing and um, you know for a guy that shoots his bow let's say 27 eight days out of the 30 31 days a month depending on the month um that was really surprising uh that that happened to me so you know hey as much as we talk about strategy and getting set up and putting yourself in the right position for that animal make sure you're shooting your bow make sure you're shooting your crossbow if you if you do a little firearms hunting in the month of november make sure your equipment's on point we owe it to ourselves and we owe it to the animal so it just a little eye opener for me yesterday i had to get things my all i had was my rest slid a little bit on me and that was it man that's all it took so had to get everything reset back reset back to to where it was supposed to be but just a, a little tip for all you guys and gals out there running around um no, hunting over a, this next week it's a good reminder i like to call it a confidence arrow i like to shoot mm -hmm. you know one or two or maybe three at the most you know just just two or three arrows before you head out if you can you know, and it's again, just to get that confidence, make sure everything's on. And as I always say, you know, I like to go shoot most of the time. It's fine. So you put two good shots, you know, in the vital area and you tell your buddies, well, if we go out this afternoon and I mess this up, we know it's operator error because the bow is right on point. So <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> there you have it. So, so there you go, folks. Good luck this week. Uh, best, best wishes for all of you. Um, be smart. Uh, be ready. And uh, somebody's going to get the job done. And I, and I can't wait to hear about it. So you let us know. You visit us on social media. Tell us your stories. And uh, we'll appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Best of luck to you. And we'll talk again soon.
Thanks for downloading the Peterson's Bow Hunting Podcast. All bow hunting, all the time. Pick up the latest issue of Peterson's Bow Hunting Magazine on your local newsstand or connect with us online at bowhuntingmag.com.